welcome to another action and jam-packed episode of Seishiro, the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scoot Magoo. I'm Elaine. And we have yet another eclectic group of albums we're discussing, uh, and we are celebrating their anniversaries. Uh, all but three, or all but one, so three, are from, from <laughs> 1982, uh, definitely um, represent the spectrum of music that comes out every given year, because that's pretty much the only thing they have in common, uh, and then one outlier, but they're all great and excited to talk about them. Yeah, and we're going we're gonna to kick, kick things off with uh, the creator of South Park's favorite artist, uh, <laughs> Philip Glass, Glassworks. <laughs> Uh, I, I have to, I'll be honest, I didn't know that that was a thing, but that clip you sent me was, uh, <laughs> was really funny. They, they uh, have like some really choice words for them. Like that, like they, they've talked, like they've called Phil Glass, like the worst American composer or something like that, <laughs> you know, and it's like, I, I don't know if that's totally deserved, but I mean, you know, I, 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 I get where they're coming from kind of, but I, I don't necessarily agree. Yeah, I mean, I, it, just kind of being a kind of you know uh, elbowing people and just being being obnoxious is kind of their mo. So I'm sure they, yeah, you know, they pick someone and and well, no, it, it, this was like Trey Parker, Matt Stone, like have gone on record like outside of the show. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and, and said it. Yeah, uh, and like it's it, like it's their distaste for him that they you know put him in the say which for, for those who don't know what we're talking about um i think it's like the first south park christmas special um where they're trying to make a um an unoffensive uh holiday special for the kids basically and uh they get philip glass to put on a show that like or let like the the show is choreographed with music written by Philip Glass, you know, and so the you know the the kids are all in like these like you know green jumpsuits, and it's just like this pretentious thing, and it's uh I, I love it. It's it's I I get a laugh out of it every time, and every time I listen to uh, Philip Glass, uh, I think of that clip, and it makes me giggle. So <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it's I, I feel like if you're gonna um... If you're gonna make fun of someone in that regard, someone who is is somewhat, uh, I mean, I haven't read a lot of, you know, stuff like interviews with Glass, but I know that generally, um, you know, modern classical can be kind of a pretentious or a very pretentious uh, art form. Uh, but certainly from a musical perspective, uh, I think that Glassworks is quite nice. Uh, yeah. He, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, what we wouldn't be talking, <laughs> talking about it otherwise, but. Uh, I feel like he's a relatively, you know, to to the layman. I'm sure he's well known, um, or at least if there were to be a modern uh, classical composer that people might might be familiar with, uh, certainly him. I think that he was on SNL at one point. That sounds um, right. Which is a weird factoid. I don't know where I learned it, but it's stuck in my head. Uh, I mean, he he's still not the worst musical guest. SNL has ever had either. Oh, I mean th that's a so that or, could, or host that could be a really fun uh, list to make of, yeah. <laughs> of worst guests they've had. I, I've actually looked those up. Um, Ashley Simpson tops it 
almost every time. Oh well, that's not a, that's not. A surprise yeah, I know either. that that's, that's it, it's it's kind of a no surprise yeah, sort of thing for sure. Um, but yeah, Philip Glass, uh, well-known modern classical composer, specifically, um, you know, pioneering voice in the minimalist movement, which uh, hadn't hadn't listened to Glassworks for a while. For some reason, I thought it was more. I mean, definitely, definitely embodies minimalism. Definitely, like you know, repetitive repeating structures. Uh, repetitive repeating that's a, that's a nice nice speaking um, but I don't know for some reason it's less than the, the other post minimalism and, and you know famous minimalism pieces I've heard had a little bit more variety was a little bit more of almost a, like in a good way like a gateway album for people interested in minimalism it definitely sounded like a you know modern classical um, you know album that you might hear you know just generally but just kind of um shown through you know a post-minimalism or a minimalism lens uh so i thought it was really really refreshing again i haven't listened to it for a while but it's, it's a really um beautiful stirring album and i definitely uh, definitely remember liking this the most when I was really getting into minimalism. I'm trying to remember other. Um, I mean, Steve Reich obviously is another highlight. Is it? Yeah. A, I want to say "Curved Air" by Terry Riley. I was gonna say yeah, Terry Riley. I was gonna say Terry C. Riley, which I think is a comedian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe right. <laughs> oh, John C. Riley. He's in uh, Step Brothers. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that's why I didn't I, want to say Terry C. Riley because because I'm like I'm that would pretty... be so funny, with John C. Riley, <laughs> my favorite minimalist composer. Yeah, it's John C. Riley, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that was uh, I think that was the first minimalism album I listened to was in C, just because I really liked the uh, I really liked the album cover and it, it was really beautiful, mm. but just very very repetitive. Um, and I yeah, I, I, have you ever looked at the score for that? No, I don't think I have. Any chance? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, this is about Philip Glass, so like, I'll keep this brief. But it's really worth looking into because it's, it's kind of like, um, he kind of writes out these certain snippets that every musician is, is sort of allowed to stay on one snippet for as long as they want. But hmm. once they move, they have to move in a certain order. Um, it's, it's a really interesting idea for score. Um. It, I, I mean, I'm not that knowledgeable about it or about, you know, music theory in general, but what I know about it, I find fascinating. But, um, you know, in terms of, of Glassworks, though, this is like very much like a um, much more uh, composed in terms of like, you know, there's no sort of freedom in when it comes to, um, you know, uh, interpreting the score. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I, I, at least to the point that something like NC or, or even, I don't know, you could argue um, music for 18 musicians mm -hmm. is. And, you know, I, I, I think the, the thing is with minimalism and with Philip Glass in particular, I think it's very easy to get kind of like reductionist about it um, and say like, oh, you know, he's just like repeating it, you know, th this this one thing over and over and over again. And it's like, yeah, like that he is like, you know, but it's like minimalism is kind of a case of like the whole being greater than the sum of its parts and like I, I think it's through that lens that I think you know I, I, I feel like if you come in with that mindset you end up sort of with the best results in, in your own listening experience 
um, I, I know like when um, you know I, I don't know if you remember this back when um, back when we were in college they had a Beethoven program or it, it was like a um, like, like sort of like general humanities program oh yeah that, um, mm-hmm. yeah they would do like uh, focus on like sort of the great people of history and there was one particular that was on Beethoven I remember um, my advisor whose class I was in he would um, he had us uh basically listen to classical music um and just write down our thoughts and he kind of had to just do this on our own and i remember listening to philip glass and being like yeah i fucking hate this <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know it, it wasn't until i think a few years later that i really got into glassworks and uh i i mean i i love it i i think it's just such a like he he, he sort of knows the like, like sort of the right the right notes to pick and sort of the right sequence to play them it's sort of the right rhythms to play and like you know when to speed things up and slow things down and there's just like i don't know they, they, there are just certain movements that really get to me and flow in particular um really really gets to me every single time i hear it um for some reason i always think of that song as being like that that movement is it's like it, 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 it sounds to me like what would play when the human soul leaves its body like leaves the body in a way hmm like you almost expect like a uh, like, like it's sort of like that um like the whole like uh, old testament metaphor of like a dove you know mm, yeah uh, like it, it it feels like that to me just like a dove flying away so <laughs> yeah no and i think that's um i mean i mean i could totally understand why your average listener wouldn't want to you know i think it's something if you're not used to this genre you're like i don't know if i want to listen to this very repetitive music for the duration of the album but just you know from a you know moment to moment perspective or just a you know track by track perspective i think if you show this to anyone they'll say wow this is this is really pretty or this is very like i, th- I think that it's it, there's a very universal quality to this where it, it's, yeah. it's just kind of um you know it, it's I would be surprised if someone heard this and it wasn't at least like, oh, this is nice. This is pleasant. Like, I mean, it's very, um, you know, it's very well composed. Uh, I think that the, you know, to someone who does want to dig deeper, the fact that there, it's so repetitious and it builds and, and it, I mean, it's one of the things that, you know, I love about like Tim Hecker and, and something that I love about, um, uh, geez, uh, Stetson, Colin Stetson. You know, I think that, um, there's, there's something to be said when you listen through you listen to something build upon itself and you know how that how that ultimately comes together to form a track is uh, um, I don't know it's very unique and obviously a lot of artists of that ilk owe quite a bit to Philip Glass and specifically albums like Glasswork yeah I, I would also like just say that I, I think this is just such a approachable album yeah. all things considered like it's not, you know, I, I just looked this up because um, one of Philip Glass's, you know, sort of big works that, you know, he will probably, you know, go down in history for. I mean, he's already gone down in history, but, you know, I, I think what a lot of people point to him for is uh, Einstein on the Beach, which was his uh, first opera. And I just looked it up just to be sure. And it is uh, supposed to be about five hours long um, as opposed to like you know a 38 minute album full of like chamber music you know so <laughs> it's it kind of you know it, it's um 
it's like shooting fish in a barrel, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just you know, easy, easy listening kind of there in a sense. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I think that if you're at all interested in minimalism, which, which I feel like a lot of modern, like I feel like when I, you know, I'll pick modern, you know, a modern classical release for release day roundup, but there's just something that catches my eye. Just the, you know, the broader palettes of minimalism and ambience and kind of creating that sort of vibe. There's a lot of reverberations of glassworks in a lot of modern, at least modern classical that grabs my, my ears. So Mm. um, maybe that's not super representative, but I, I mean, I, I think that, it's if, if you listen to any classical music that came out after this, you know, the decades since, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, you know, it's pretty obvious that this had an impact for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the minimalists in, in general, even though I think they, they can test the term, you know, there's still this idea of, of really bringing things down to, a, you know, a you know, staunch, repetitive structure, sort of, that is undeniably appealing and has proven to be just incredibly influential um, absolutely yeah speaking of uh beautiful angelic music uh our <laughs> next album is uh number of the beast by iron maiden uh i remember when i said that we had a nice variety with this episode uh there you go yeah <laughs> following up filled with glass with iron maiden uh but you know in its own right and you know equally uh, equally influential album uh, for its genre, really all of all of metal. I, I mean, it's hard to even you know preface it because it's such a you know it's so obvious that this album had you know a significant Im- influence. Obviously, they're self-titled Killers eighty and eighty one. Um, I believe Number of the Beast is their first with Bruce Dickinson. Yep, it is. Um, I really haven't listened to Killers and their self-titled all that. I don't think I've listened to them at all. I um, I don't think I really have either. Um, I I really just have little interest, honestly. Like Bruce Dickinson is just such a like. I I feel like he's like, you know, sort of the the the, the zenith of Iron Maiden vocalists. Yeah, I I forget who. Uh, I don't know why I'm saying that because I write my music up so I can click on it very easily. But are are you gonna? Blaze Bailey, yeah, their original singer, uh, who oh. or uh, Paul Diano, yeah, uh, he, I guess he's, he's fine. Yeah, he, I mean, I, I haven't heard it. So, I mean, I've probably if you played a track of his, like, oh, okay, like I've, I've heard that, but I guess he recently, you know, doing his own stuff now. I think he was. It's it felt like he was trying to make headlines where he he said that his vocals or like you know his stuff was better than the Dickinson era. Uh, I don't think you're going to get a lot of uh, support <laughs> saying yeah. stuff like that. And I feel like Number of the Beast is a great... I mean, just so many... Cla- I mean, classic Maiden songs, but just classic heavy metal songs. I mean, obviously, Number of the Beast, Run to the Hills, uh, you know, 22 Acacia Avenue, um, Hallowed, Hallowed Be, be, be thy, thy Name. I, I mean, I probably... I mean, I just read off more than half the track list, but it's, it's really like I... Uh, I remember finding... A real pretty cheap, you know, OG copy of this on vinyl, and just like hearing it, oh, it just it just sounds so good, and it's just such a oh, man, it's just such a great like. I mean, I would say between this, uh, maybe, um, 
maybe Screaming for Vengeance, like either that or Number of the Beast are just my two go-to. When I want to listen to vintage heavy metal, I mean, that's just where I go because you got the big vocals, big guitars, just everything. And you get like the massive, um, you know, massive songwriting that just, it's it's heavy, but still melodic at the same time. Uh, And again, I think in its own way, incredible, incredible broad appeal. Like, I mean, you know, like, yeah. I'm I'm gonna say though, like I I love this album, and I mean I own it. Like I I will put it on every so often, but I really think this album is kind of overrated in 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 a certain extent, because like I I mean I I think it's kind of like a um I it's just like there are great tracks on this thing, but there are some real duds, or I mean, maybe not duds, but very forgettable tracks. Uh, Gangland. And uh, the prisoner, in particular, are are, are just really forgettable. Uh, and if you have the remastered version, uh, you, there's also a track called Total Eclipse, uh, which is also forgettable uh, to the point that I, I I actually forgot that it was even on this album. Whereas like I don't know like a, a an album like Power Slave or Seventh Son, I just feel like every track on that thing just like rips and like. I, I don't know. It, it just feels like every track like kind of earns its spot. Whereas this thing, like I, I feel like part of the reason it's it's so big is because of those really big, you know, singles from it. You know, like Run to the Hills, the title track. You know, um, Invaders. You know, Hallowed Be Thy Name. You know, I, which you know, great songs deserved. But I mean, I, I just I don't know. Like. I, I, I guess while, while this and Screaming for Vengeance is kind of like your go-to heavy metal pick, for me it's like probably like Seventh Son and um, Defenders of the Faith. So <laughs> it's just, that, that's just me, though. <laughs> no, but it, I mean, both good albums as well, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could see that. Maybe it's partially because uh, I think I'd agree that those are probably two of the you know easily the two weakest songs in the album. They're kind of buried in the track list in a way. Um, yeah, you know they're surrounded by you know great great songs. Um, I don't know. I, I think just it's one of those albums where the highs are so high that it cancels it out for me. Even though I think that is a fair that is a fair criticism or at least a fair comment to make. Um, I think just when you have songs like Run to the Hills and Number of the Beast, they're just such they're just such peaks for heavy metal oh, songwriting yeah. that it, it kind of, uh, yeah, it kind of, it, it kind of, it, 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 uh, man, I can't get the words out. It, it kind of, it, it gives them a pass in a way that they can, uh, you know, they can kind of rest in their laurels. But I don't really think they rest in their laurels, so to speak. I mean, I think it's, uh, um, although I will say that they do definitely get more you know, progressive or more, they, they, their songwriting definitely improved from here, it became a little bit more ambitious, but just when you're looking for the specific, you know, whenever you're looking for a specific itch scratched, you you want an album that does that right away, and just listening to the highlights for Number of the Beast are just, you know, yeah. no, nothing does it better for me. I, I, I mean, How Will Be That Name is just such an incredible, incredible song. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I feel like I, I could say that about, like, all like sort of the hits from this track, but, but how to be that name in particular just really sticks with me every time. I think it's just because I think, you know, 
I think the songwriting can vary in the album, but like the performances really don't, you know, and Bruce Dickinson is just on top just every single time. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I don't think he, you know, sort of shows his chops any better than how bad I name in a way, like in, in this album anyway. Mm -hmm. I, I just like, like when he holds that, uh, when he holds that low on, uh, you know, at the beginning of the track, I'm just like, fuck <laughs> you know it's just yeah uh love love this album but yeah oh it's it's awesome and it, it's I mean, you can't really you can't really also, go wrong until um, I, I was just gonna say like shout out to the uh, album cover too Derek Riggs doing that album cover with like I, which I, I it, it's tough to look see it sometimes if you're not really looking closely but it's like Eddie's like you know, controlling the devil <laughs> with, 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 with like puppet strings. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's, it's such it's an, an awesome album cover. Yeah. Uh, Not that like I I mean I think Iron Man has always consistently had really great album covers. I think like Dance of Death I think is the only one people usually turn to as like the one bad album like Iron Maiden album cover. I mean that that one's pretty awful, but I mean it's kind of a um, again. They get a pass. They 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 did, they did it so well for so long, um, and I, I think for the most part they um, they had an incredible run up through. I haven't really listened to somewhere. I don't think I've listened to somewhere in time either. But obviously, number of the beast, peace of mind, power slave, seventh son, the seventh son. Um, I think they brave new world was the only other one that I've heard much about. I know they had some, you know turbulence yeah. throughout their career yeah um but... I, I think i mean dance of death i think is a decent album um all things considered um you know i i mean album cover aside like i think there's some really great tracks off of that but i mean yeah it's they definitely it's it, it's it's kind of plateaued um you know over the last few decades but i mean given that this this album is 40 years old is um you know something to say for sure yeah for sure i i mean i i think it's still um that's kind of why i wonder i mean this is somewhat off topic but it's it's why i wonder why don't bands just take the billy joel route? i mean billy joel hasn't released a new album in forever he still you know still tours you know he, he incredible back catalog can still tore off the strength of, of those releases like i feel like at this point like Sendry, why are you releasing an eighty-minute-long, uh, like a samurai-themed heavy metal album? Like, so th this is an. Um, if you remember, there's a um, there's a there's a book on heavy metal, like a book of heavy metal history. Um, I I I can't remember what it's called. I think it's like Book of the Beast or something like that. Um, or like I I think it's called History of the Beast, possibly. Mm -hmm. Um. I just remember it used to be at our at our library back in high school. I read it at least uh, two times, I think, back then, and uh, they they talked about this exact thing that I, I and if I recall this correctly, um, I think that you know bands like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest had tried to hang it up, or at least like that they thought that it was over, and then I think there was kind of like a revival, and like people were kind of like into it again. I think they just kept it going, but. I, I might not be remembering that correctly. 
but but it is an interesting idea it, it is something to think about especially when you yeah when you think about an album like senjutsu <laughs> yeah I, I mean i i didn't listen to the full thing but i just i can't like i remember uh jews i mean not to you know not to lump aging heavy metal bands together but uh i think was it firestarter what, whatever the most recent ma- uh priest album they released I mean, oh, firepower! Our firepower. Thank you. I mean, it was it's it sounded like you know older musicians trying to you know make you know make heavy metal, but like it sounded good. Like at least it, it, yeah. it, they pulled it off well. Whereas at this point, I don't know, just eighty minutes. Just I didn't listen to all of Senjutsu, but it felt very tired. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. But I was just I just wanted to go back and listen to albums like Number of the Beast. Um, I mean, I. So I, I guess before we move on, I'm just gonna say one thing, and it's that um, how about instead of samurai, you you make an album that's focused on ninjas and and make it Naruto themed, an Ooh. Iron Maiden Naruto crossover. I would listen to that without a doubt. I I would buy that. That like, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean you you've got it right there, Jutsu. I mean, so so just make it like uh you know um uh, what 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 what's the one where 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 they create uh, illusions. Is it, um, is it, I think it's Genjutsu, Oh, right? Genjutsu, yeah. Yeah. Because, because, uh, Senjutsu is, uh, Sage. Yes. And yeah. I, I, I can, I can say that I can name them all. You know, because obviously <laughs> Taijutsu is the, is, is like, you know, physical combat. Rock Lee, man. Yeah, Ninjutsu is the ninja stuff. Senjutsu is the maybe, Sage. I, I'd love, like, I, maybe we should have an anime episode just for the fuck of it well, one day. Maybe. Just like like a Naruto episode, <laughs> just just like nerd out about Naruto. Just nerd out about Naruto. Uh, yeah, I'll always have a soft spot for it. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> but um, a- anyway, speaking just... of illusions, I don't know. That didn't really work out, but yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think so. Walk Among Us by the Misfits. Who? Naruto starts out the series a misfit. Ah, there you go. Ah, uh, there, there uh, we go. Okay. That's that's a horrible song. It's a soft one in the last. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting release in their discography because they, uh, I forget the exact reason. I mean, I remember when I first got into them, I was real. Like, I think at one point I read why, but. Uh, when this came out, they had released, they had already recorded uh, Static Age, like a full album of songs, which they recorded in 78, and it wasn't released in its entirety until 96. A lot, a ton of singles from the album were, were released independently, and I think some of them, or at least one of them made this album, I forget. They released a ton, I mean, punk bands back in the day were very, they released things in an interesting way. But for yeah. whatever reason, I think this is their proper debut even though it wasn't the one that they actually recorded first and again a little bit interesting since you know all these bands kind of release a million eps um and singles back in the day but this is this is one of my favorite uh punk debuts uh because it was ahead of its time in a number of of fashion uh you know horror punk which is a little bit more of a it's kind of more aesthetic and lyrical than necessarily anything musical there's some themes here and there but also the way that it, it was it in a way foreshadowed pop punk i mean when you when you 
songs like Skulls and Astro Zombie specifically. I, I turned into a Martian. Yeah, exactly. Whoa. Like there's just there's so many moments where you're like, wow, I could totally hear, you know, how this, you know, this relatively rough around the edges album that has some rockabilly moments and you know kind of the, yeah. the, those those kind of mo- you know those kind of influences um you know how that could how that could ultimately influence pop punk down the line you know obviously i love those six degrees of like kevin bacon kind of things where you probably you know the misfits probably influenced the descendants who influenced you know um you know probably influenced blink 182 uh side note i found this this guy i follow on youtube who does pop punk covers of a bunch of random songs and he did one for never gonna give you up like he did one that was oh like, he said if blink 182 wrote never gonna give you up and it it, it honestly sounded really good um <laughs> but in any case yeah i mean this is a it's just a really really fun i mean they're a really fun band uh oh, i yeah. mean they, they got a little you know a little harder around the edges on earth's earth 80 and wolf's blood um, later on when they, um, they got, I think, was it, I think Michael Grave? Yeah. He yeah, on American Michael Psycho yeah. and, uh, Famous Monsters, which I think are, I don't necessarily want to say underrated, but. I mean, I, I, people really, really shit on the Graves era. Which I, I don't get yeah. because, I mean, I, honestly, for the most part, it feels like it's, it's because if they're not, I mean, it's a little. They are a little repetitive. Like it, it's kind of, um, they the songwriting's more or less the same as OG Misfit in terms of like just like short, you know, short, fast punk songs, uh, more or less. But the albums are like twice as long. Like I think what what makes an album like uh, Static Age work so well is that it's twenty minutes long, and especially I think like Earth's AD Wolfspot I think is like fifteen. If at most it's twenty minutes long, so you kind of get. I mean, these are pretty short, repetitive songs. I mean, they're very catchy. You know, they, they go fast, they go hard, but they're not, you know, especially like Mommy, Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight? <sighs> Mommy, which, can I go out and kill tonight? <laughs> honestly, I, I, I still prefer the live version on this album than the actual one on Earth's AD Wolf's Blood. Yeah, uh, me, it's just, me too. <laughs> it's just so fun. And I, I would have loved to have seen, um, would have loved to have seen this seen them live i think that would have been up. I, I i think they're still touring like when, when danzig came back oh did he because i i thought yeah. uh jerry only the bassist was was kind of barely keeping it alive on life support like just uh and i think they they had bad blood dancing and yeah, no, they, they did for a while but yeah it's uh i i don't it, it was back in 2016 that they um that they kind of reunited oh they did that's right yeah. they did a, i think they'd only they did like a a couple, you know, showcase shows for, but like I don't think they did a full tour. Uh, I don't, I don't know how. I mean, after that, Danzig sings Elvis album. Uh, I'm not yeah. entirely sure how <laughs> how, good, how good he is now. Um, I, 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 I would see Misfits with Danzig live, even if it was awful. Like I, I just feel like like that's like it would just be fun I, to do. Yeah, it'd be like seeing Pink Floyd. Like you know, even if it was like you know just roger waters and and david gilmore now like I, I i would still see that because like that's fucking history right there man <laughs> yeah i mean like it, it would never happen in a million years with pink floyd but like you know i i mean 
Misfits would be fun, though, because, like, you know, just getting dressed up and just, like, you know, singing about turning into a Martian and you don't even know your name anymore. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just, yeah. I, I yeah, I, I, I really love, like, I think you actually turned me on to the Misfits through um, Astro Zombies. And, uh, you know, I think I ended up borrowing this in uh, Earth AD from you. Uh, like very, very early on when uh, we started sharing music, and and I just yeah, I I love this fucking album. Um, I mean, I, I still love Static Age, I think a little more, but like there are just some like just great tracks on here, and like you know even beyond like Astro Zombies and like Mommy Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight, you know just like Twenty Eyes and like I Turned Into a Martian are just so much fun to listen to. <laughs> well, and, and and I think that's the thing is that this. It, it, it kind of is the best of both worlds. Like it, it's it's a little goofy, it's a little tongue in cheek, but I mean I think this is this is genuinely good hardcore punk. Yeah. Like when I listen back, I think you know I, I've kind of you know pulled up my old uh, you know my old ska, my old skanking shoes, and listen to the <laughs> old ska I used to listen to, and you know band like Street Light Manifesto where that you know, makes you know genu- I think genuinely well written ska. Uh, then you have a band like Real Big Fish where it's just a little, it's a little too goofy, and there's no shortage of, like, even when I get nostalgic for, like, Blink-182, sometimes I'm like, okay, this is a little, um, it's a little sophomoric at best, and I think what's so great about the Misfits is, and the why they have such broad appeal in, like, the, the broader punk ecosystem, is because the, the music's genuinely good, like, you know, the, the riffs are, are, you know, memorable, like, I mean, I, I love Skulls, uh, one of my my friends in high school he was in a ska band who did a cover of skulls uh i can't say it was very good but they they definitely tried um, <laughs> and yeah i feel like there's there's something something quaint about music that like i don't know like just that, that balance of of fun but like actually taking the music seriously and writing really good hardcore punk yeah um, i don't know i just i think that's what's always won me over about the misfits is that they they can kind of have their cake and eat it too in a way oh yeah yeah no i i i love light like the, this was probably my favorite listen uh like getting ready for um this week for this mm-hmm. episode uh and not to say it i mean I, I love all of these um but this one in particular really just like it, it's just like you know it's like 25 minutes it's just so much fucking fun to listen to but it's just yeah like you said it's, it's just it's well made Mm-hmm. you know on top of that um yeah <laughs> nice yeah for sure speaking of um uh speaking go, of go ahead go ahead try 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 to make this work <laughs> speaking of um people <laughs> influenced by early soul and r&b music i think <laughs> Kind of. I, mean, I guess. I guess if you twist that definition a little bit, um, we're talking about an album five years after the three albums we just talked about, "A Sign of the Times" by Prince. Um, this, I think. I mean, I, I feel like he had such an incredible stretch of releases, but I feel like this is a little bit of a um, resurgence. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Even, I'm sorry. I'm looking I mean, at the. I'm looking so, at the, the the chronology and yeah, he it, just released it, it, so much it music. Kind of is. Yeah, it's, I mean, so you know, he, you know, arguably Prince kind of peaked with Purple Rain, 
and after that was around the world in a day which i i really like i think recently i bought around the world in the day uh self-titled dirty mind controversy all in one one fell swoop i love around the world in the day yeah i mean it's 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 not a bad album um you know but i i think it's definitely like a bit of a step down in some ways i I think this was kind of like a retrospective sort of reevaluation by a lot of people Mm -hmm. that it's kind of a step down because i think it was you know pretty you know well received all things considered yeah of Um, course you have raspberry beret which is is yeah yeah which is like a great great track it is a great track yeah but Um, then um you know sign of the times is kind of an interesting album because it's like you know this is after um prince put out like two movies uh one of which was purple rain the other one was was under the cherry moon which was um i don't think very well received (laughs) um and uh you know at the same time he's working uh you know so sign the what the album that became sign of the times was from uh kind of called from this triple album that he had put together called crystal ball Mm -hmm. um and basically the record company i think just had had enough of his shit and just like uh you know i forced him to shorten the album like shorten it and so you know it's a double album instead uh you know about it's 80 minutes of of music and uh you know it is it's really interesting how like this kind of i I don't know it it has like this i'm probably not using the term right but like kind of like an electro kind of feel yeah like um especially just like uh i i felt like like a track like you got the look you know was just like very like had kind of this this edge to it that you don't like you don't necessarily like associate with prince um well like at least traditionally because it, it, that being said like th- this thing was you know I, this thing has a lot of really really memorable tracks i mean like a track like housequake is like i i if i remember right um housequake.com was like a prince fan site for a long time mm-hmm. it still might be actually um you know so it's yeah it's uh I, I really love this thing. I mean, I, I think it's it's just kind of like an underrated album because it's it's not, I don't know, like you, you just don't think of it when you think of Prince a ton, mm-hmm. at, at least for me. Um, but it, it's it's just a really, it's it's it really runs the gamut of what he's done and sort of what, you know, it, you can kind of see where he goes, you know, in the future with this thing. And yeah, I, I, I really love this thing. So, oh, and I mean, I'll, I'll shut up after this, but, um, Starfish and Coffee is, is maybe my favorite Prince song, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I think that this, uh, I, I don't know of any double albums, uh, maybe Baroness Yellow and Green, but that's a little bit. Swans. Yeah, yeah, Swans too. Um, I, uh, I could maybe like the OG double albums back in the day. Like I don't know of a ton of double albums that don't suffer from feeling a little bit too long. Uh, I mean, I think with Sign of the Times, it's just that there's a lot of music to listen to. I don't really. I mean, I can't think of any song in particular that I would remove. Um, you know, mm-hmm. probably if I if I got down to it, I'd be like, oh, maybe like these two could be cut off. But uh, I mean, I think this is 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 easily. I mean, even by Prince's standard, especially at this point in his career, it's probably the best smorgasbord album in his career, and I mean that in a good way. Like, I feel like he was such a versatile songwriter, and you're just so talented at all the you know various 
you know genres he's toyed with throughout his career and this kind of put everything on display in a little bit of a I don't know I, I hate saying like mature but it just feels like this is him really flexing his his songwriting capabilities and trying new things but still very much honing it you know refining you know styles and genres that he has you know he did throughout his career um yeah i can't I, I say mean, no go ahead. You, 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 oh you, you you go ahead i i got no, i was just gonna so. say in terms of uh, i mean i just think you know the immediacy of some of prince's other albums uh leads me to go to them a bit more than than this one but every time i i, I listen to this I, i'm reminded of just just how great an album it is uh you know i i think that i I definitely well I know that I've definitely listened to like Purple Rain um, and then the other albums I mentioned previously I mean I, I've had those on pretty steady rotation since I bought them I just I love controversy in specific you know in particular just like when he has really danceable poppy songwriting and I've, I've had 1999 for a while but he can write for a variety of genres he can write really well catchy ballads just the whole gamut like i think um you know this really showcases the 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 depth of his songwriting maybe Mm -hmm. more than any album in his career yeah i i totally agree i mean you can just see that from just even the first like you know disc uh, of this thing you know just sign of the times is kind of like this weird like electro kind of piece but then playing the sunshine feels kind of like a almost like a 60s kind of like a love child like throwback Mm -hmm. in a way to me like a, a, and then but then housequake is kind of like this again kind of like the, this forward thinking song uh you know but then it goes to ballad dorothy park which is kind of like you know low key but then you go to something like starfish and coffee which is just kind of like an in between of all of those uh god i love starfish and coffee <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i've had that song stuck in my head since i listened to this album again um so <laughs> 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 and I, I I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I I mean I I think this probably um I want to dig deeper and deeper into his discography. I think this is the last album of his I um I think Love Sexy I'm vaguely interested in. Love Sexy is really good. Okay, just yeah. because I know, I know that at this point you might you might consider a bit of a I mean. Only just because of what I've read, not that I've listened to it, but also because it just there are a bunch of albums I, I've not heard of at all. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I mean, it, Love Sexy, like pretty much everything after Love Sexy is like I I I've not listened to, and I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, the, he's he's put out uh yeah thirty nine albums, um, <laughs> so you know they 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 they, they can't all be winners <laughs> yeah exactly there there's going to be some duds along the way <laughs> though i i have heard that there are there are some um you know later albums that are you know being slight like that that have some good reception but it's still like it's it's still nothing compared to um yeah to to compare it to like that like first half of his career like and not even the first half it's almost like the first third because I mean, he just he put out just so much music. And just, yeah, you know, it's yeah, it, it's kind of amazing, honestly, just how how many you know, like just just that first stretch, how consistent he was throughout. I mean, so many good albums, so much good songwriting. Um, yeah, which really, 
I might have to after this see see which albums are Apple moves that I because I think I have a ton of points or credit or something to use because. I don't know, just every time I listen to a Prince album, I'm like, man, this is... It's one of the few artists that actually my mom and I love equally. Mm. Uh, we have to skip over some of his more scandalous songs, but... Um, <laughs> still, Darling Nikki. Yeah, that, that, that's one of them for sure. <laughs> I, I remember my, uh, I had it on in the car. I had Purple Rain on the car with my mom one time when I was driving her somewhere, and uh, that song came on, and, and we when they got to that line, uh, she like immediately just fast-forwarded it, and I was like, Really? Like, that's a great song. <laughs> She's like, well, I, I, like, I, you could listen to it on your own side. The, the, you know what? That's, uh, that's yeah. what my mom would say. Is like, well, we don't need to listen to this right now. Like, we don't, we don't need to listen to this together. <laughs> like, like, all you have to do uh, is just get past that one line, and it's fine. You know? It, like, the rest of the song is totally fine. <laughs> Especially because uh, when she she told me she, when she went to see, she went to see him in the 80s, like, in his, his peak. And yeah. I guess he was wearing assless chaps. And that was, that was, I think that was pretty much it. Um, so, I mean, yeah. so it's, not, it's not like she wasn't aware of what, what to expect. Yeah, oh. I know. He, he wants to be your lover, you know? Exactly. exactly. He wants to be the only one to make you come running. Right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, anything else? No, uh... uh, no, nah, nah, I, I just, yeah, I... Uh, I, I, I do just really love this thing. Oh, I, I, I guess one little factoid, if I remember this correctly from uh, one of the biographies I've read of Prince, is that um, when it came time to tour some of the times, he actually had someone recreate the entire album cover as the stage set. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, like like but like down to like the very smallest detail. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Which, yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. Uh, because it, it is a very distinctive cover, you know, all things. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I don't really have anything else. Uh, I just, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I guess if, you know, you've you've kind of run you know, sort of the typical gamut with Prince, like this is like, I, like listen to this, which I mean, I, I, I don't know how you could run the regular Prince gamut without listening to Sign of the Times, but, you yeah. know. Anyway. <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, I guess we're on to albums of the week. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you, you want to go first? or? Sure. So Newbury had a, I guess, a, their 22nd anniversary sale, I think, uh, with uh, 20% off everything. So I, you know, was looking through. Didn't find a ton that was really, um, that really grabbed my attention, but the two, about two LPs that were on sale and then with a discount and I was really stoked to find both um, and this one uh, it's from a band that I, I just I've been interested in them for a while they're one of those bands that has an insane discography uh, I'm going to quickly google there just to see just how many studio albums they've released um, but this was on sale and then on top of it there was the general sale and I was like you know what let me just check it out um, and it is Guided by Voices and their album oh, okay. Vampire on Titus. Uh, this is a pretty, like, kind of a cult cult favorite in terms of like the indie rock, slacker rock, lo-fi scene, you know, going back to the, you know, the 80s. And I think they're still releasing records today. And I've just, I've been interested in them. A lot of people I respect, um, you know, musically, you know, like them, appreciate them. But it's like, man, where the hell do you start? Because also it's to the point where like you look on Rate Your Music, and there really isn't a ton of 
DV. I think that uh, I forget the name of it, but there's one album that is uh, pretty, um, you know, pr- pretty well regarded as like, oh, this might be their best. But there isn't a ton of separation between like even the number of ratings or the number of you know kind of what the average is. So I'm like, I really don't know where to start. Kind of like a cult band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where people yeah. just love you know love them in their entirety. I would, there's nothing wrong with that, but um, this album, like I said, was on sale. It looked kind of cool. Uh, and I guess there's a, a little bit of a uh, unique thing about it is that I saw that it was considered their most lo-fi, like the most lo-fi record in their discography. So I'm like, all right, well, at least that's something at least, you know, it's, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't know whether that's good or bad, but like, it's, it's at least a, you know, a notable thing about it. I uh, just looked up, they have 30 studio albums. So that's, what, that's what kind of made it difficult. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's tough. Yeah. But the, uh. The cool thing about this 1A and 1B, uh, I would say that um, uh, 1A is that the music was really good. I mean, I'm definitely not groundbreaking. Uh, I feel like it might just be definitely a cult following thing. Like, I don't think this is the most groundbreaking indie rock or alt rock from this period that I heard, but it was really enjoyable. Uh, It was definitely one of the better, like, of lo-fi kind of making sense. Like, I, I felt like it added to it, just the way that um, added a little bit of edge to the songwriting. Like, it was it was melodic, it was definitely catchy, but it was a little bit more of a, like, a punch to it, a little bit more of a bite that I appreciated. Kind of um, like, a, like a pavement sort of thing? Yeah, kind of like, like pavement. It reminded me a lot of uh, Dinosaur Jr., except, like, more, um, you know, kind of more lo-fi, more... More you know, grittier, more um, grittier than Dinosaur Jr. Yeah, man. I was yeah, like, right. I saw, like I, I was really you know, really big fan. But uh, also, I love Surprise uh, Colored Records. Uh, it was a it's clear with yellow splatter, and it was really really cool. And I did not expect that, and I like it because I usually like it's like hey, it's a double like usually it's a, here's a double lp gatefold colored record uh, that'll be fifty dollars yeah this this i think it was like maybe 10 or 12 with with the sale which is pretty cool so yeah just a just a fun purchase all around uh and i think i'm going to save the other lp i listened to as my album week for next week because i've been spinning it a ton and i'd like to talk about that then all right sounds cool so that's that's that well uh my uh my album of the week is uh something that we talked about last week uh that i got to listen to and i was surprised about how much i loved it and it's um the album's called alto piri by uh pansonic cool Um, yeah i don't know if you remember from that last episode that uh i was definitely a little hesitant about buying this thing to begin with Mm -hmm. uh just because you know rate your music is listed as like ambient techno and glitch and like I found that like those kind of like early glitch artists like Oval and whatnot, even like Finesse, um, don't really do it for me a ton. Um, you know, so I I wasn't sure what this was going to be like, and, and I was really surprised by it. I I really like this thing. Um, it, it's the best way I can describe it is like sort of like an ultra stripped down Autecker. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, like where like you you have like a lot. It's it's mostly just like a lot like just rhythm mm-hmm. going on and like just but but like it's not even like they're using traditional drums or drum machines or anything like that. Like I don't even know what they're using to get these sounds. Um, 
but it is it's just sounds really cool and it's just super super sparse um you know yeah I, I had to turn my stereo up pretty high just to be able to hear it and uh you know it, it sort of it it gets a little little more noisy as the album progresses but it mostly just stays in this very very minimal kind of vein and it was just uh it was fascinating to listen to and it was it, you know it it, it was like I, I felt like it was like one of those albums that you could equally pay attention to it, but also kind of use it as like a soundtrack for something mm-hmm. if you needed to as well. Uh, it just felt like very approachable, especially for a band that I think in many aspects um, comes off as kind of uh, difficult to get into, just because of like I think their their best known album is Casto, and I think that thing is like something like 211 minutes long or you know just like something insane like that mm-hmm. um and it's just like that's a that like that's a tough album to get into just just for that sheer length alone um yeah so you know i yeah i i was just really surprised by this thing really loved listening to it so yeah highly recommend nice yeah and um yeah, and, and and we're we're kind of on time for like the first time. Yeah, in a few I, episodes. I, I was gonna say I was kind of surprised in a good way. I was like, wow, we we actually didn't, you know, go over. <laughs> we actually, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, been another good episode. And thanks as always for listening. Yeah, and uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.